Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? Did we lose? We lost an hour today, right? Okay. I will say that this morning was pretty well attended. I was a little surprised. I was, Annie was actually really on top of it, but she had to tell me last night when we went to bed that we were losing an hour. So if I wasn't with her, I probably would have missed it. But anyway, my name is Greg and this is Annie Singleton. We are, Uh, that felt good, that felt good. Thank you, thank you. Um, We are elders here at the church along with Paul and Ann Alexander and Landon. Um, Because we've been here about five years or so. We have five awesome children. Uh, Two of them live out in Los Angeles, and two are sitting right there, Sophia and Will. Bigger, bigger, yeah, yeah, that's over well. And Mia, who's our eight-year-old, she's in Greenhouse, so she can hear you if you yell really loud, but you don't have to, so... But anyway, we, um, you know, we've been talking about the different values. Uh, Cole talked last week about creativity. Uh, you don't want to miss next week. Landon's going to talk about exploring. And Annie and I get to talk about that wonderful icon, give and receive. Yeah, I'm excited for tonight. I think this morning was a really sweet time, and um, I'm anxious to spend time with you all on this subject. Um, give and receive, even though out in the foyer there are two different icons, it was hard for us to think of them being separated. And um, it just, if someone's giving, you're receiving. If, if you're giving, then someone else is receiving, right? So they just sort of went together. So that's how we approached it, um, just in preparing for tonight. And it's, it's really been a sweet time for us in thinking through this value for our community and just even for us together and for our family. Um, this idea of give and receive was at the beginning of time. You think about that. Like God formed and created this earth and he gave it life. He formed and created man and he gave it life. And he has so many good gifts for us to receive. So that's where we're gonna start tonight. We're going to um, we're gonna look at things centered around a couple of stories, which will be awesome. Um, And we're gonna do some meditation, which is awesome. But I just kinda wanna take a little poll. Like how many of you feel like you are easy givers? That's like super easy for you, just like have a- We can't see you anyway, because of the lights, so. Everyone's hands are up, so that's awesome. Um, Okay, so now how many of you feel like you are an easy, ready receiver? (laughs) Okay, they want want money, right there. A couple hands, okay, good. Just in general, I think receiving tends to be harder, especially for givers. That just sort of seems to be a harder thing. But in order for us to give and to not grow tired in giving, we actually have to receive first. God has amazing gifts for us. He's the good giver. And if our hearts are postured in a way that we're able to receive the things he has for us, it can fill us up and it can create a spirit of giving in us that really couldn't exist apart from it. You know, this idea that we are receivers first is really important. And that's where, that's where tonight I really want you to feel that your giving really comes first from where you've received. 
the idea that the posture of your heart towards the giver shapes your ability to receive and to be a giver. Yeah, so we're going to look tonight at um, John chapter 21, and the three things we want to pull from that is just an example of Jesus and what he gives us in that um, these three things. Jesus' giving is personal and sacrificial. Jesus' giving is without conditions, and his giving is generous. So I think you're going to see why I love this. It's one of my favorite chapters in the entire New Testament. Uh, Not only the content, which I think you'll see, but I also love where it's positioned in Scripture. So John has 21 chapters. This is the last one. And if you were to read the book of John, you would get 1 through 20. In chapter 20, you have the resurrection. Um, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. He appears to the disciples in the upper room. And then it's like the end of the chapter comes and it's like it's over. But then you turn the page and there's this little chapter that's like this little special nugget, uh, like a a preview or something. And I was reminded of this. I went to a Marvel movie about four weeks ago with with Sophie and Will, um, Black Panther. It's a good movie. I won't spoil anything. But it was kind of cool because the movie was over, the credits were running, and just everyone was just sitting there. And I was like, well, I enjoy taking a movie in, but why is nobody moving? And I was thinking, well, maybe, so they did do a little scene, and then everyone was sitting again. And I finally, I leaned over to Will, and I said, what is everybody doing? And he said, Dad, it's a Marvel movie. I'm like, okay, I need more than that. Why are we still sitting here? He said, you'll see. And all of a sudden, the screen came up, and there was like this whole new scene, like this movie. And what was really cool about it is Sophie and Will, what happened in that quick moment was like, Sophie's like, what the heck? So something happened that was so cool. I didn't really get it because I'm not up on the whole Marvel sequence, but it was really cool. So that's what I love about this little scene that we're going to look at. So I'm going to read it to you um, from this. I'm going to read you an account of the story that I love in this child's story Bible that we read or read to the kids when they were little. Um, So what's happening here in John 21, just to give you a a setup here, uh, Jesus has died, resurrected, and about a week to three weeks, I'm not sure exactly how long, has gone by, and um, the disciples have kind of gone, some of them have gone their different ways. So this is an account of the story. This is your little bonus scene, like the curtain has gone up, so are you ready? Sometimes when Jesus appeared, the disciples did not recognize him at first. Some of them had gone back to Galilee, where they lived, before Jesus called them to be his disciples. Simon Peter was a fisherman. He and some of the other disciples took nets and rowed out to the lake to fish. They fished all night without any success. In the morning, as they rowed back closer to shore, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they did not recognize him. He said to them, Children, haven't you anything to eat? And they answered, No. Then throw your net on the other side of the boat, and you'll find some fish. They did as he told them, and now their nets were so full of fish, they could not draw it into the boat. They tugged as hard as they could, but they could not pull it in. John understood this was a miracle, and he said to Peter, It's the Lord. Peter could not wait for the boat to row to shore. He jumped into the shallow water, leaving the others to drag the net to land. When the disciples reached shore, they saw a fire with fish frying on it and some bread beside it. Bring some of the fish you caught, Jesus said. Come and eat. So they sat down and ate. 
Not one of them dared to ask, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. We are called to give personally and sacrificially. And in reflecting on this story, on this first one, and Jesus' example in this, it's an amazing thing to think about the king of the universe choosing instead of sending a big announcement or which he could have or um, I don't know fanfare or any focus on him the scene that we pop into here he's on the shore and he's cooking for them he's waiting for them he wants to be personal with them and he came to where they were and there's just something really sweet in life that we have to offer in giving and that is our presence you know, it's sometimes just being there is really important. And in our church community, I think that's so true. If we don't show up and we're not here, then church doesn't happen, right? And being there for one another, showing up, having presence, it's personal, it's sacrificial. And truthfully, sometimes sacrificial giving is messy and it's super inconvenient. Um, I wanted to share something personal on that note and what's been a really neat example for me um, just in recent weeks. A lot of you know we were just in Ohio for my grandmother's funeral and um, it was a celebration. I know there's, I don't know if any of you have ever been to a funeral where it's just a celebration. It was a celebration of her life. She loved Jesus, she loved her family and people came to celebrate her which was just such a beautiful thing. Um, but what has been really impactful for me leading up to that is watching my parents and how they have been with my grandma. She, my, my grandfather passed away many years ago, so my mom took the responsibility of taking care of her um, six months ago when she really needed to be taken care of. And watching that, it has changed me. My parents, um, they changed their house. They set up a room for her. They were, make, they were making all the necessary arrangements for people who needed to care for her. They literally put their life on hold and they didn't know how long it would be. It ended up being six months. Um, but there were just some things that happened in that process that I don't really know how else to put it except that it, it, it's so inconvenient and it's so personal. Um, she couldn't walk, so they would have to put her to bed at night. And something about that picture for me, you know, I asked my mom, what does that look like? And she said, well, when she's tired, she tells us, and your dad and I pick her up, and we lay her in her bed. We tuck her in and pray over her and say goodnight. It's like a little child again. And that is so sacrificial, right? And my parents were able to do that because of the beautiful thing that she had poured into my mom and given to my mom and what she had received from, from God her whole life and that flowed out towards her. So I don't know, that's just, that's an example from my life and where I am and I'm sure a lot of you can relate to something that in your life has been super impactful where it's personal and it's sacrificial and it's inconvenient, but oh, what a blessing. Yeah. yeah. So secondly, we are called to give without conditions. And Annie just talked about how Jesus met them where they were. He came to where they were fishing. He came to the, the shoreline. But they came 
to find someone who was without condition. And I want to read and focus for just a minute on uh, Peter who was there and Peter and Jesus is, is their relationship and what might have been going on at that time. Um, if I go back a little bit, um, so flashback to the Last Supper. So Jesus had a last meal with his disciples before his death where he broke bread and they had wine and um, they sang a hymn and after that they went out to the Mount of Olives and Jesus said to his disciples at that time, Jesus told them, you will all fall away. There's a scripture that says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I, raised, after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you, leading the way to Galilee. But Peter blurted out, even if everyone else is ashamed of you when things fall to pieces, I won't be. Jesus said, don't be so sure. Today, this very night, in fact, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter blustered in protest, even if I have to die with you. I will never deny you. So, unfortunately, Peter did deny him three times. As Jesus was led to be put on trial and he was beaten and Peter was in and around the area, he was in a courtyard and a woman saw him and said, you look like someone that was with Jesus and he denied him. And then the second time, the same thing. And the third time he cursed at them and said, I don't know him. And the scripture says that he wept bitterly. So you fast forward now to this moment. And I know Jesus appeared to the disciples, but it doesn't say that Peter had time to really talk to Jesus. So here he is on this boat in Galilee, and John looks at him and says, that's our Lord. And Peter jumps into the water, says that the boat was about 100 yards, so about a fo football field away from shore. He jumps into the water to make his way to shore. It just gets me. I don't know what it was like when Jesus was standing there and Peter walks up, but haven't we just all been there where we have blurted out, I will not deny you? And yet Peter's standing there soaking wet and he met a savior and a friend who had no conditions. No conditions. He, met, he went there, he didn't hold a grudge. And I think that's one of the things that Satan, as our deceiver, tries so hard to, to make us think that we have these rules, these conditions, we have to get ourselves to a certain place, or even in our sin, we can't come to him, and we just spiral out of control because we can't get good enough, we can't get good enough. And I love this testimony of way, the way that Jesus met them there. And I think it's also the hardest thing for us to do, for me to do in my giving, is to give to people that I feel are undeserved. So people have to meet conditions for me in order for me to give to them, whether it's relationally or financially. And even when the Lord tells me to, it's like, but, but they don't this, they don't that. And I think it's extra hard with people that we're closest with because we see their flaws. It's a lot easier, I think. We have a lot of nieces and nephews that go on mission trips, and it's a lot easier to just put a check in the mail. But when someone is close to us and they need something and we see how they might spend it or this or that, it's harder. And I think we really 
This is one I feel personally that we just really need to rely on the Holy Spirit to give us the strength to do that. We are called to be generous. This one I think is really clever because in the scripture, there are some details in the story. Greg read an account that was more story-based, but if you go back and you read it um, in any of the versions of the Bible, there were some really specific little details that were given that direct our attention to resource of money or income or finances. Um, it talks about in, in this part of the scripture that there were 153 fish that were in the nets. So if you could picture that, 153 fish, obviously that was a bounty for them. That was huge, it was, their, their nets were overflowing. That was the first detail. And the second one says, and their nets didn't break. Their nets didn't break. So in his generous giving to them, because for a fisherman, fish meant income, right? It meant that they could sustain themselves and their families, and that they could bless other people. And they wrote it down. So I don't know what that looked like, but in my mind, I think if you wrote it down, they must have taken time and they were sitting there counting. I don't know who the counter was in the group, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, right? All the way up to 153. Somebody said that in the story, right? And they wrote it down because it was so important to them because it was generous and their hearts were overflowing with gratefulness, right? Because it was so generous of him to do that. And the nets didn't break. So we wanted to talk about giving um, because it's such an important part of our life, this resource of income and money. And we're gonna come at it kind of from a personal testimony perspective. Um, share with you what's been our journey with this in terms of giving and you know where we are with that. Yeah. So, because it is, it's hard to know, okay, God, Jesus, you know, calls us to be generous. Well, what does that look like? I mean, we all have different means. Um, we all have, like, some, you hear somebody say, well, I have the gift of giving, or that person has the gift of giving. Well, if you don't, then what does that mean? So, I just thought I would give you a, just a personal testimony of sort of my journey with giving. Um, you know, as, as early as I can remember junior high, I always worked. I always had a job. I grew up with um, five other, uh, four other siblings, so there were five of us, and we were the type of family that if you wanted Nikes, uh, you had to pay the difference between Keds and Nikes. I mean, <laughs> it was just the way it was, you know. It, my parents didn't have a lot of money to give you exactly what you wanted. So um, I had uh, my, my two older brothers, they started a lawn business, so I would mow yards for them. Um, I had paper routes. I our neighbor owned an antique store and I would go to them on the weekends and, and scrub iron beds and paint them. And just, we always had something we were doing to earn money. And, and my mom and dad said to me, now, everything that you earn, even if it's a birthday gift, if your grandma sends you money in the mail, she said, 10% of that, you have to give that to church. And I said, okay. 10% of it, you've got to save for something. And I said, okay. And the 10, the other percentage, I bought candy. I, a lot of candy. I always buy candy. I still buy candy. He still buys a lot Not, of candy. Yeah, I do. So anyway, so that was... Will, does dad buy a lot of candy? Oh, oh hold on now. This is my... <laughs> let's stay focused. Justify. Let's stay focused. So I had three jars. Money, ten, savings, 10% for church, and candy. Mm -hmm. And so I 
pretty much kept that throughout my entire life. I never really knew if that was a law, a command, or what that was. I was just, I guess it was just an act of obedience. So 26 years ago, I married Annie, and for those of you who know our story, we met and we were married within seven months or so. I mean, it was very quick, and a lot of that time was apart. So when we got married, we were like finding things out about each other that was very interesting. I mean, good. Wonderful. Wonderful things. Oh, wonderful. Wow. Oh, Inter- interesting is not always a good word. It comes up, la- comes up later. But one of the things I remember looking at, at Annie and I said, oh, um, I, I'm used to giving like 10%. Are you okay with that? And she said, she said, yeah, I'll do that too. And so, so that just sort of became the fabric of, can you arrange those for me? Because I'm going to be dead later. Sure. So that was, that was something that was, you know, came to the fact. But the, the thing that's really cool is, I, and what I noticed about Annie was, she would come to me with these different reasons to give and different things to give to. And, I, and this is kind of a little embarrassing to admit, but I remember one time when she came to she said, this person needs this money. And I said to her, I said, well, okay, that, does that come out of the 10% that we give to church? And she kind of looked at me like, well, I don't know. I mean, no. And I was like, okay, all right. So, so there was this different thing that I was seeing in Annie, and I think it was just the spirit about her that was different. And as I started to search the scriptures, especially the New Testament, I, does Jesus say anything about 10%? Is there a mandate about 10%? It is a biblical principle. I mean, God gave Moses this law in the Old Testament said, I want my people, Israelites, to give 10% their, their, their fruits, their 10%. And Abraham, even before that, when he would um, have spoils after a war or something, he would give 10% to the new king and, and things like that. So it's a really neat principle. So what Annie and I really adopted was this idea of New Testament giving where we kept this principle of 10% for us, that that was sort of a starting point for us. Thank you. And then after that, we had moments of just generous giving. Um, and what became... That's the good stuff. That was, yes. I mean, that was like where if there's someone in our community that's making an album, we find out where they're serving tables and we go and we give them a huge tip because they're trying to earn money. Um, just really fun stuff where... And it, it was above and beyond. And it's just really cool because what, what it became for me, especially with my background, it became... Giving wasn't a mandate. It wasn't a restriction. It was freedom. Amen. And it, was, it's, it draws you closer to the Lord. I, that's why you never hear anyone up here saying anything about 10%. It's just about being gener- generous and having a cheerful heart and being a cheerful giver. We've kind of adopted this verse uh, for ourselves. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 7. And I think it's just great um, just when it comes to giving. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. I mean, what, can you hear the freedom in that? Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we're going to wrap up our time talking about these three areas. And I want to wrap it up with an encouragement challenge for our little community here. Um, I love this place. I love City Beautiful Church. It is, it's home for me. I love it. I love our people. I love what we do. And I just want to encourage and maybe see it as a challenge um, just to look at these three areas that you would spend some time personally and that you would talk to the Lord about it and that you would ask him, where can I be personal 
and sacrificial. My community and my life and my relationships. But also ask him, where am I doing it well? And let him say back to you, well done, you're doing great. Ask him, Lord, talk to me about this idea of giving without conditions. Am I withholding my giving from people because I've decided on conditions? Free my heart. Let me give freely. Show me your heart in that. And then also ask him, where am I doing that? And let him show you where you're reflecting his heart because I'm sure you are. And then lastly, in this area of generosity, that verse is so important to me because I think it boils down to with our relationship with God, he isn't asking us out of an expectation or a mandate. He wants to talk to us. He wants it to be so personal with us. He wants us to be able to be generous and reflect his nature. But that requires us talking to him about it and asking him, how much should I give? How do I give somebody 153 fish and I don't break their nets? How do I get to be like that, right? And then make sure you ask him, how am I doing it well? Where am I doing it well? Encourage me, Father, and show me where I'm reflecting you. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.